0: Kyle Cook is a jack-of-all-trades. He can play, write, produce, perform, and do it all well. Born in small-town Indiana, he made his way through Atlanta to Florida to become the guitarist for Matchbox 20, who in the late 90s and into the 2000s sold tons of records, tons of tickets, and had tons of hits. Since then, Kyle has started a duo, become a solo act, and kept Matchbox on the road all at the same time. Kyle and myself have become great friends and have written a bunch of songs. Here's my buddy, Kyle Cook. All right, Kyle Cook.
1: It's me. Hi, buddy. How you doing, buddy? Man. Glad to see you.
0: Good to see you. It's been a long time.
1: It, it it's, actually it's has. it really long it, time. It, it, it's, yeah, I mean, um, but, you know, I feel like the times that we do hang out, like, and you're that kind of person, it just feels like you just kind of pick up. Oh, absolutely. That thought.
0: Yeah. People some... can't
1: see you right now, and if they don't know you, they would want to hug you. <laughs> I'm just telling everybody. They would. If you haven't hugged what is
0: essentially a wet sponge, I, then I'm your guy.
1: Great to see you, my self-deprecating friend.
0: Well, I call him like I <clears throat> want to see him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so correct me if I'm wrong. You were born in Frankfort, Indiana?
1: That is right. Is that Frank- a meet? What? Yep. Frankfurt, Indiana.
0: Was that a musical family?
1: Uh you mean you mean my actual family? Yeah. You're saying that the community? Um it kind of seemed like you were talking about the community. Oh sorry. Uh that's all right. Uh yes, it was, yeah? but not professionally.
0: Right. <clears throat> but everybody played something.
1: Yeah, like uh my grandfather uh and, and even more than that, there was a real genuine appreciation for it. Yeah, that it was uh, very um, palpable, if that's the right word, sure. from a young age. Like I, I can remember, um, you know, as far back as church, sitting and and my particularly my grandmother and my mom harmonizing together, and they would kind of position me in between them. And uh, so some of my earliest memories of sort of the distinguishing was like, oh, she can sing that note. And right. she can sing that note, you know. Just really simple things like that. But but uh, and uh, my grandfather played trumpet when he was in uh, the military, um, and always kept one around. He loved jazz. He loved jazz. Hated country. Well,
0: there's not he a hated lot of country country trumpet players. Uh,
1: yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And but I guess that you know, I mean, you think about the era yeah. as well and uh, my dad you know he's a lot of law in my family actually oh, really yeah my dad's an attorney my grandfather was an attorney and then a judge um a lot of a lot of my family went to i u okay so and and my dad um is it was a huge Clapton fan was always playing like classic rock and roll and you know um not a great singer yeah. Lo- love you dad but um but sings like with the passion of somebody Absolutely. that doesn't doesn't care.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, That's I almost cuss there. I don't know what the deal is here.
0: Cuss all you want. Oh,
1: Okay. I always he say... sings with the passion of somebody that just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. It's kind of like that whole uh, dance, like nobody's watching thing. Exactly. And so if he listens to this, and he he should he should know that I mean that is a huge compliment because I, I would sing right along with him in the car. Yeah. You know. And uh, that. And that, that that feeling was one hundred percent there. And that, I think that's that makes Did that teach out. you a little
0: bit about dissonant harmony maybe? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well no, he you know, he actually has decent pitch because we would we would sing uh there was this song he used to sing in the, the the um the army that had to do with this you know and the uh and it wasn't a ship, and it sailed upon the sea. You know, that kind of vibe. Yeah. yeah and they sink her in the lowland lowland low you know that kind of thing we would do that like and it was you know um it was like all these verses about like this guy who's in love with this girl but on the ship, and the captain would never have it because it was the father and that whole thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's like some sparring thing, right? And then at the end, in the last verse. My dad knew every word to every verse. I remember as a kid, I was just mesmerized by this. Was
0: he in the but service? Of course,
1: yeah, he was in the okay. service. Yeah, he actually worked on atom bombs.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: um, and he said that like he it was amazing. I mean,
2: Damn. he got
1: to serve, and he's he's one of these people that feels like everybody should serve. Yeah, which I haven't, but. Um,
0: well, not yet.
1: Not yet. That's right. That's right. I'm building up my strength. <laughs> um, and uh, but it was kind of the best of both worlds. He's, he's an intellectual, and so I think he, he actually enjoyed that from a yeah. scientific standpoint yeah. and everything. But he didn't actually. Yeah, you know, he wasn't in the throes of yeah. the trenches. But um, yeah, like that's that's significant stuff. So I remember that she sank her in the lowland, and we would, and I would find harmonies much like I. You know, this is before theory and any of that stuff. You know, like I would sort of like come back to those church experiences with my mom. And so, yeah, really on both sides of, um, you know, my parents were divorced as long as I can remember, too. So that's important to the conversation. So it was always kind of two homes that I had. Right. I was an every other weekend kid. And even though no professional music going on, um, yeah, there was a very uh, serious emphasis on, Harmony and the appreciation of melody and music and stuff in my family, which is interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Along with your dad, my my wife has that sort of voice, but she loves singing. Okay. And we'll be together in church. And I always say that when God put in the Bible to make a joyful noise into the Lord, he was thinking about you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. She knows that. Yeah.
0: So you came into the, your interest of singing and writing like from a little kid you just had loved music when was the first time yeah. you thought you would like you started making up stuff
1: <clears throat> that's that's a good question um probably i'm trying to think what the end of elementary school is like what's that sixth, sixth grade? grade yeah sixth or seventh grade there was a program that they were starting which actually doesn't seem like you see that much uh, as much anymore um this is back when like music programs were pretty funded yeah it seemed like in america or at least yeah in my neck of the woods and that's pretty interesting because it's it's a very blue collar kind of um i would say in some areas depressed you know um
0: mostly agriculture rural
1: yeah 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 um but you know, it's not a destination town. You know sure. how that is. You know, it's like it's just kind of a rural. I mean, it's grown quite a bit. There's a lot of factories, a lot of factories, okay. lot, but, um, yeah. Uh, so the you know like like the program had a piano. Like I, like I go to my all my kids' schools now. It seems like no one has like pianos anymore. It's just like it's mm-hmm. there's no expense for it. Um, and I joined the. They were starting an orchestra program, uh, run by. Janet Priest who uh was the teacher and she was just wonderful. She was one of those people who was just um she just had that vibrance, you yeah. know, and that sense of wonder about music.
0: And encouragement. And, and encouragement. Which is a nice and, thing. And, and uh,
1: yeah, and it was inspiring. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I um so that's kind of probably where I started playing violin, but I was not a good violin player at all. Um and I think it has to do with just like physically, like I could never figure out the vibrato, um, and my hand seemed too big for the instrument. Mm-hmm. So, But nevertheless, I um, would come up with little melodic bits and riffs and ideas. I would find myself sort of um, getting distracted from the, the work at hand, and you know, and in between, I would be coming up with things, not really realizing I was doing them. I was just like, oh, that sounds interesting. What about yeah. the separation between these two notes and stuff like that? Um, and then that led into guitar, basically, so, because I started holding it like this. The violin? Yeah. Okay. I started holding the violin like that because uh, I, I just, I couldn't, you know, there were a couple, I remember there were a couple other girls that, uh, the first chair, and I can't remember her name, but she actually had great vibrato. And I was like, how does she do that? Because it's like a circular motion. It's so, very, you know, you're a guitar player. It's very different. Yeah. It's completely different, uh, creating that vibrato, um, which is so important to music. By the yeah. way, we could go down a rabbit hole of that sort of thing, of of the need for a vibrato in the expression of like music, Absolutely. but um, completely different than guitar. Um, so I couldn't get a handle on that. So I started like kind of making chords and stuff and playing like that, and then it seemed like this makes pretty sense. natural to to get a guitar. Yeah, and and yeah. So it was. So what is that? Seventh grade? To Did answer you have- your question. <laughs> A long way around Did you
0: have a a guitar teacher? Or
1: how did you? Yeah. You did? did? Eventually. Yeah. Yeah, but I, my, well, this is interesting too, back, kind of slightly back to the family thing, uh, when my mom remarried to, um, and and still married to Joe Snyder, um, I was probably just starting middle school, or it was right around that time. Honestly, they'd been seeing each other for a while, but they had, you know, uh, then they got married, and so we're, now we're all living in the same house. And I discovered that he had some guitars, and he's a fan of music as well.
2: That's cool.
1: um, he's an engineer, worked at Subaru and uh, Alcoa, which is a aluminum yep. company in Lafayette, Indiana, which okay. is pretty close to Frankfurt. Um, that's where Purdue is. It's probably the closest big, bigger city, yeah, um, in that area kind of on your way up to Chicago. And yeah, he's he's a big music trivia guy too. So um, I was just always surrounded with positive energy about music. But then I just sort of discovered that he had this acoustic in the closet. It was really kind of, I can't even remember if he mentioned it to me or if I just discovered it, but it had Stairway to Heaven, the, the, tab, the tablature, or maybe it was the written music. It had the chords and I think okay. the written... Uh, that it was just the chords and then the written melody it's of the melody stereo, yeah. yeah and i was he was able i think he was able to teach me a few chords enough to sort of and then the rest started yeah tumbling honestly like it was it just felt so natural and yeah. i would just one thing would lead to another and i would you know it was more of it was a lot it was all ear at that point yeah it was it was like here's the thing i can't really read this melody but I can listen to Stairway to Heaven, and I've got the guitar, and if it's tuned properly... I can match that note. I I can find that note, yeah.
0: I kind of am torn, like on YouTube, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Because I remember sitting in my basement, and I would put on whatever, Ozzy or whatever, Stevie Ray Vaughan. But I couldn't figure it out, and so to slow it down, my brother and I would stack... Like, I need a quarter. I'd stick a quarter on the stylus. Yeah. And then a nickel, and then a dime, and then two pennies. Okay, and now it's an octave down, and now I can slow it down enough to play it. Right. And now, every seven-year-old in the world is a million miles past that because they can just click on YouTube and go, how did Stevie Ray play that song? Well, here's 60
1: wow, different that ways is true. he
0: did it. And That's all I got to do is try to watch his hands. You
1: know what? And, and, and a lot of... And, and we know that's uh, many of our guitar heroes, maybe not people that the average delay person would know, but like some of, some of our guitar heroes like that uh, have have cut you know like in this town and l oh, yeah. a like session guys that mm-hmm. we know that are behind some of our favorite records like Steely Dan and stuff yeah. a lot of times you can find those guys out there yeah. themselves talking about it, not just other players, but you know yeah. and I,
0: don't, I don't know if that's good or if the, if the struggle. Helps you appreciate it more or, but it, I mean, obviously the learning
2: curve.
1: I think I'm, that's my next thing right there. You do? That's, that's yeah. yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to spend all my time for the kids out there that want to, you know, I'm going to give away all the secrets of the Matchbox 20 records. <laughs> and,
0: it. It's for the kids. And the
1: lighting is going to be super cool. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, the, the lighting's actually going to be awesome. That's wow. going to be a big part of it.
0: And I'm, I'm seeing you in sort of a gold LeMay Elvis jumpsuit <laughs> while you're doing this. Nice. I mean, just, <laughs> I don't know. I could be I could
1: be totally off.
0: The most important thing, kids, is your string gauge.
1: That's right. So
0: here's this is what I'm going to show you. That's right. So how did you or why did you go to the Atlanta Institute of Music?
1: Man, it was uh it was kind of an interesting, it was a pretty random choice, actually. It really was. Uh I think to that point, a little bit in that time period, there weren't a lot of op- you didn't have the internet options, right? right. It was like yeah. you know, my mom got me a subscription to um, you know, it was yeah, the other Guitar World magazine or yeah, whatever, whichever one it was. Probably I think it was it was probably Guitar player. World player. Yeah, I think I had probably yeah. all of them <laughs> um, because that's before I I got more involved in theory and learned how to read. Um, uh, both bass clef and treble clef. Right. So now I can kind of I can get um, like I love Debussy and I've tried to challenge myself a little bit, learn a few Mozart pieces on piano. And, oh wow. Um. Yeah, and I don't. You know, I played it okay. It's hard, but it, it's tough stuff. Yeah, but it's it's cool. I like the challenge of it. Yeah. But in you know, but in that, in those days, it was all ear and a little bit of I could read a little bit on the treble clef that I had sort of left over from violin. Um, so it was all tab at that point. Yeah. So guitar player, guitar world, all that stuff. It was all about like listening to my favorite A C D C riff and looking at the tablature to find out more yeah. more precisely how sure. they were playing it. You know? yeah. And probably at that time Van Halen was a big part because Van Halen's stuff was very tricky to kind of pick yeah. out here. Yeah. That's probably not a good comparison to put uh, Angus and, and him in the same sort of kind of category, even though equally cool. Yeah. Um so yeah, I was in that phase, and in the back of one of those magazines was Atlanta Institute of Music um, advertising. And if you remember, GIT, absolutely, right? I can't remember the the gent's name that started that, but so Knight Driscoll is 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 the president, and I kind of I think believe he was the founder of uh, AIM, okay. Atlanta the Music, and uh, in Atlanta, but I think he was working at GIT under some other guitar player's name that founded that GIT was pretty high profile. It seemed at that time GIT had, cause it was in Los Angeles. It was they had you know, two or three
0: different campuses. And then they had yeah. BIT and also I oh, think, right. PIT, which was percussion. Does it still I think. exist? I think so. Okay. There you yeah. go. Yeah, uh, I know it does because I know like Paul Gilbert, when Paul he's, Gil- yeah, when yeah, he's yeah, home, sure. go down yeah, there and do and, clinics and, and stuff. Yeah, so,
1: yeah. Um, and I was really into Paul at that time. Oh man, yeah. Um, so he
0: was, he was a little faster than me. Yeah, a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I had you know sort of a Ungve Malmstein phase oh, that dude. sort of grew out of this. Absolutely. You know, classical period. There probably was a time where I was ashamed to say that, but but now it's just kind of a part of my history. Yeah. Um, where I but that yeah where it was that kind of thing. It was just like it was like this. Just, I mean, Chris and Pilateri, all these. these oh, dude. I mean, wildly gifted um, uh, uh, technique-oriented yeah. players. Steve Vai, you know, stuff. Um, so technique was overriding at that time. Anyway, I I digress. Um, it was, yeah, the back of the like Guitar World magazine. I saw the ad, and it was as simple as, L.A. seems a little too far away. Yeah. It was kind of... I think it was about that simple. And, you know, my parents probably were like, um, would have preferred I went to like a music program at a four year college, yeah. but I knew man that I was not going to survive that. Yeah. I was just not going to survive the studies. And I think it was probably the, you know, the best thing I ever did for my parents was not waste their money. Sure. Um, on, on shit like that because, um, I would have gone and just partied like everybody else does on their, their freshman year and sophomore year. You know what I mean? and, flunked out of chemistry and everything else it had nothing to do with where my horse blinders were yep. headed. So Absolutely. that's, that's why it was kind of, that's why it was the right choice, but it was literally as much of a, you know, like m- miming being blind and just like moving my, my <laughs> right. finger around. You know what I mean? It was, it was cause it could have been, it could have been in, uh, Ann Arbor, right? A school. You know what I mean? It was just, it grabbed my attention. I was like, look, oh, look, hey, mom, I'll go down to Atlanta. Check that out. I think it that looks far. like a bunch of stuff that far. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's close to Florida. It's kind of warmer down there. It sounds cool. Warmer. Atlanta seems cool. So that's so, what it was.
0: And so I don't know how to, Matt Serletic.
1: Serletic. So yeah so Yeah.
0: So yeah. He, you met him through the president of the college, is that yes, right? Yes,
1: that's right. And he, like, so the school he, ended up being a very significant move. Um. Obviously, there's no way to, to have known that it would be that, yeah. but um, yeah, so Sirletic was kind of on the heels of a couple really big collective soul hits at the time, Oh yeah. okay? He did that first record. They did it really cheap, like in his apartment. Wow. It was that kind of thing. Um, you got to figure Pro Tools, the digital workstation oh, thing man. was not, not even much close. of a thing then, no. you know? Um, not many studios were outfitted with it, you know. They did that whole record, like he programmed all the drums, you know. Like he and Ed yeah. basically I, is what I'm told. Maybe a few overdubs, I think. Um, I That's think crazy. Ross was the guy's name was the lead guitar player at the time. Came in, okay. Played a couple guitar leads, and that was kind of it. It was like a programmed record. Well, they ended up selling like you know had shine on it, yeah. And they did ended up selling, well. yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, plat- over platinum, maybe yeah. double platinum then they followed that up with another double platinum record um of which was kind of the here's the big produced atlantic records funded right right deal and he was just on the heels of that yeah and he i don't know how he got wind of the, the school but he called up there like hey i got this this band tab of the secret in florida um and you know, I think they got some great songs. I think They got a great vibe, but I don't like, you know, I don't think the guitar players are right. I don't think the band's right. I want to try to get in there and produce a demo for these mm-hmm. guys and reconfigure the band. And, you know, and Knight, you know, according to Knight, was just like, I I, I got your guy. I know exactly what you're – because he was looking for, you know, Counting Crows was kind of like uh, – which was great, yeah. by the way. We can get yeah. to that. We got to tour of that, with them last right. year, which was a, was a huge – Pleasure of mine, yeah. And I know Rob's too because he's just such a fan. And it's like I grew up, you know. I feel like I grew up, you know, covering uh, Mr. Jones and, oh, sure. and bands. So for us to get to tour at them was was kind of a cool life goal that I didn't expect to happen. But they were huge at the time, yeah. And music did seem to be taking a little bit of a a turn from Seattle, the grunge thing. Uh, yeah. This kind of darker.
0: Stand there and stare at your shoes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Harder hitting. Like, the themes were really heavy. Yeah. Um, and the music was really heavy, you know? Um, oh, did you listen to he, Not even Chains. just, like, guitars being distorted, but just the way, you know, like, the, um, you know, it sort of ushered in that era of, you know, Grohl's, you know, the, the energy coming from, I mean, you know, so much of that band came from the energy of Dave's drums, oh, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and Pearl and, Jam.
0: Alice and Chains. Alice
1: Chains. And, so it was very propulsive kind of stuff. And she Queensry- like might county-
0: Queen's rack <laughs>
1: Queen's rack, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, mind Crime and whatnot. Exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, and and so and I know all of us in the band were really inspired by that stuff. So but we were coming out of that huge explosion, right? So hair metal got knifed in the back by
2: um, yes, you know
1: it did. Uh, you know, uh, oh, Kurt Seattle. and yep. uh, Eddie and everybody and friends Yes, and you know and now we were seeing this sort of like folkier movement it seemed you know and Matt you know Matt has always been and Matt's a really smart guy he's a smart he's a, he's a brilliant musician and producer but he's also very you know it's the reason he worked he ran Virgin for three yeah. or four years and you know um, because he's he's a he's a he's a business you know a a bigger think about the business kind of thing. So I remember him sort of really having this grasp that, um, he wanted to, he wanted the band to, he he didn't want us to emulate Counting Crows by any means, but he understood that, you know, there was this, there was this folkier movement that was starting to, um, kind of occupy the the airwaves again in a less, um, Like a more relatable, if that's if that's a yeah, absolutely more relatable kind of lyric, lyrical perspective, and maybe simpler simpler changes a little bit,
0: and a wider Uh, range of
1: audience. Right, right, and um, so that's yeah, so that's yeah, so he talked to to this guy Knight, and and I always credit Knight, you know, for. You know, and I always tell people to go uh check out aim because it's still kicking they've moved a couple of times mm-hmm. but um yeah, the school's still kicking ass and they they've kinda you know they're moving their program in the right direction for to be on the right side of history, which yeah. is a lot of you know a lot of producer kids are coming in and they wanna you know be able to create things on their laptop so they have a whole oh yeah th- you know that's a big part of it as it should be, yep um. But yeah, I always had huge props for Knight because Knight was like, you know, I, I you you know, you, you want this band that's got, you know, you've got this band that's got these these great songs, these singable choruses, these you know, um, and you want a lot of harmony. And he's like, you know, I feel like this is your guy because he's a you know he's he's a tasteful guitar player. He's going to give you what you want there, but you know, bring a vocal. Yeah. Uh, quality that Matt was really looking for. So, to my understanding, that's what night. That's uh, what night kind of reiterated to me. And then, you know, next thing I know, there's an audition being set up, kind of by Matt, in Florida. And, uh, because
0: Matchbox was in Florida. I think right? the
1: first one was actually in Atlanta. Oh,
0: oh, just for Matt. Because
1: the guys okay. had. Oh, um, okay. Well, he. I he was given some demo tapes okay. that I had done, like just some kind of rough, yeah, some songs of mine or some covers. And I think Knight may have shared him some videos because they videotaped a lot of stuff. He may have shared him some videos of stuff that that we did. It was mainly a performance based program. Atlanta okay. music. I mean, there was, you know, there was reading material and stuff as well. But it was in, on the theory end. But that's what they really wanted to do. They wanted to get. Bands up on stage because mm-hmm. um, they had a bass and drum program too. Okay. So there was you know like there was plenty of uh, musicians of all um, different levels and, and so instruments to to put on stage and so
0: they would take a guitar player, a bass player, and a drummer yeah. and put you guys together and see yeah what and then kind of right
1: thing? and then uh, the instructors would put together a variety of different like um, they started. It was, was kind of cool, though. I think it made sense the oh, way yeah. they they went about it. Um, so, like in the guitar player program, they kind of started with Chuck Berry stuff. Sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, and and you'd have to learn uh, a few of his actual solos. So, if you're doing Johnny Be Good, or um, you know, like maybe the first section, you would take, you know, they would sort of grade you on how how well you're um, Interpretation was of of his, uh, you know, the the execution, I should say. And then, like, say the next solo section would be more of, like, just cut off and beat you. Yeah. And that was sort of a portion of it. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. It it was good to get a little structure, but also, you know, um, get encouraged to improvise and be creative, you know?
0: It's amazing how many young people now don't know how to improvise. Yeah. Or if they come from a classical background. Oh, yeah. I wrote with this girl who was classically trained in a violin. And so we were writing, me on guitar and her on violin. Yeah. And I said, take a solo. And she just looked at me like deer right. in the headlights. Like,
1: like, what if I don't? But I don't know what the I notes are. I don't know how. Yeah.
0: She goes, I need something written. Oh, down. yeah. And, and like, you know oh, what, I never man? thought
1: about that. I uh, It was exactly what I needed. Because the jazz, would the one thing that I think that, musically, um, the biggest thing that that school provided for me was an introduction to jazz oh, in a cool. really cool way. Like um, they gave you
0: a turtleneck and stuff, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and an espresso machine. You get an espresso machine. You get Sunglasses, twenty four seven. Think espresso machines existed? Probably... Sanka. Uh, well, they did. They just you couldn't get them at Target. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they had giant tubes. Had to order from JC Wait till Christmas um, to get right. it. Right. Um, yeah. So. Um, the yeah a lot of what i like i had a i had developed my ear to a good place to where you could play me something and i could come up with stuff and it wasn't like i wasn't creating things yeah um but i could mimic people well sure um and and after learning a bunch of stuff and picking up some things from you know uh guitar world tablature and stuff i was in a pretty good place so i i mean i could improvise but i was um I was exhausting tricks really, you know, way too early. Yeah. And jazz um, exposed me more to the chromaticism of what music truly is, and it's uh, and makes it much more boundless.
0: Did that help because you? Because in...
1: your 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 control of rhythm, yeah, within the spectrum of different notes, depending on what beats you stress or don't stress, really kind of opens up your oh, yeah. improvisational.
0: Did that help you in a? Matchbox sort of setting or was Matchbox a little more yeah. I don't want to say down the middle. I don't even know how, what I'm trying no, to say. Yeah, but. I
1: mean I well yeah, I know it's weird to say I you know, I was deep into jazz and then Matchbox 20 happened, you know? I mean it does seem like an odd thing to say, but but if you listen to maybe on the first record,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but if you listen to the second album, Mad Season right. um, you see that you see all of us Really, kind of um, opening up musically and exploring a lot more. I mean, there's Indian textures. There's some sitar on that record. Um, you know, uh, there's if you're if you're gone, which has got the sort of like Chicago esque like, horn section mm-hmm. in it. Um, yeah, so I think it helped me from an arrangement standpoint when we went in. You know, because the, the songs Rob had written for that first album, and still, man, to this day, people call it their favorite record. So yeah. it's like, you know. Well,
0: I mean, it, I, it sold, does, what, 12 million? I mean, yeah, come on.
1: 13, but who's counting? Um, <laughs> uh, but, I got uh, some old information. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, but um, so economical, right? Yeah. Um, so the trick there was, and the songs are great, they're so singable, and um
0: Were those easy, all easy
1: easy to retain, right?
0: Were those written before you joined yeah. the band? Yeah. And,
1: well, no, not all of them. Not I'd say all, about okay. four or five there was a demo that Matt gave me. Um and I I think actually only one off that demo, three A. M. was the only thing that and really three AM, which is we could get into that, I suppose. Um, the reason I joined the band, I think. I think that song yeah. gave me an indication that um,
0: there's some great stuff bubbling under here.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that you know, and, and that Rob really just had a great sensibility about um, his voice, and I don't mean just his singing voice. His his, his voice as a writer, yeah, um, an ability to connect with people on relatable with relatable line, you know, lines and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. she thinks that happiness is a mat that sits on on her doorway. I remember that really standing out. It was like. Yeah, that's that's channeling that's, cool. that's channeling some shit right there. Yeah. In a, in a but in a cuz you know how like, you know, you, you can you can write lyrics that sound like Kansas songs, you know what I mean? <laughs> like Yes, I do. or or you know like uh Robert planted is worst, I suppose, you know. <laughs> You know, you're talk about the hammer of the gods. Yes, and what
0: the, rhymes with Meriadoc?
1: Lightning, right? You know, yeah. I mean, it's like very well read, kind of <laughs> yeah. like you know, uh, not a, a Meriadoc. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, you like.
0: Not a, all poems are good songs, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so I guess in in a sense that uh, yeah, I heard that that line just it it it, um, it was so conversational, but yeah. but poetic at the same time, and didn't feel like really. Forced. Contrived and forced yeah. and stuff. So Rob was really great with that. But that but that record, um, I think the school and the where I was at theoretically and and, and um musically, yeah, I think I was like really overqualified to play those songs. Mm-hmm. It sounds arrogant to no, say, but I think it's the truth from where I was coming from.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So it was an exercise in restraint in a cool way. Yeah. You know, and and I and I learned a lot from the guys. And Rob and Matt, uh, I think Matt and I were a lot more in the same mm-hmm. world. He played uh, I think French horn he had his master's degree, so he was oh. much farther down the line uh from an education standpoint but we would talk about like Mahler symphonies like I'm a huge you right. know composer fan yeah um, and you know we we could sit there and chat about that in the control room and the other guy and the guys would be talking about like uh you know the Hooters, some Hooter song. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So
2: there oh, was an the interesting
1: hooters. dynamic, right? Like they taught me things, and and I uh, I would I would turn them onto things. But there was kind of some camps, and um, but also I
0: mean having a guy like Matt believe in you, having these songs that you know are great. I mean, like you also had your eye on the big picture, and you were looking not just to the end of this record, but five years or ten years down the road. Yeah, and just saying. We don't know what can happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So, so well,
0: your restraint you knew would be rewarded. Yeah. And also, you know, I'm in a freaking band. I'm going yeah. to do some stuff. Well, I you got I mean,
1: like, also, you think about the time, right, that we were yeah. talking about. Um, you know, like, I can kind of time stamp it by, by saying, like, I remember when we first started. So, you know, we made the record. I think primarily financed. Uh, well, we we made some pretty high end demos, primarily financed by Matt, because he had some money kind of mm-hmm. coming from the Collective Soul thing. And then we got an indie deal to make the record, but we didn't really have big distribution on Lava Records, which is Jason oh, yeah. Flom signed us. That was an
0: Atlantic, right?
1: Right. Lava, and yeah. Then, right, but we, you know. Atlantic didn't really get on board until radio started responding. Honestly, right? Um, and then they saw dollar signs, I believe, and you know we're like, uh, "Thank you, Jason. We'll take that band." Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then they, you know, they helped take the rocket ship, yeah, straight out of the atmosphere, obviously. Um, but you know, you figure. I remember some, you know, some A and R guy taking us to Hootie and the Blowfish, and they were the biggest band practically oh, in fucking America at that yeah. point. You know. Um, but you think about the kind of, you know, and I remember standing there and there was like a stadium in like North Carolina or something, wherever we were at, you know, or South Carolina. And I remember thinking, it's not gonna get any bigger than this, right? Like, yeah, you know, I'm like, we're side stage in a stadium. Well, two, three years down the road, who's dropped? Yeah. You know, I mean, they got dropped. And so that, I started, that kind of uh, blew my mind a little bit. I'm like, okay. You know, and I've thought about that often as the band has evolved over the years. I think that mad season record, if I can get back to that, is one of the things that um uh the fact that we've kind of not you know, that we did we we are the kind of band that doesn't necessarily that tries not to, that really makes an effort to not repeat ourselves. Yeah. Um and I think if you listen to our catalogue you, you, you kinda see that. Um
0: Oh yeah, your music fits to me in four or five different formats.
1: Yeah, if we would if we would have made yourself and someone like you too, right? I think we would have gone the way of hooting the blowfish. Yeah, you know, um, we had to evolve, and for us that was you know embracing man a lot more blues, a lot more jazz, a lot more uh, you know uh, more vivid like instrumentation. Yeah. There was strings on that record. You know, there, there was there was horns, there were strings. Um, a lot of people would accuse it of being overproduced, but, you know, it was a kitchen sink kind of record. It was like, this is what these guys can do. and I, But I think it was the right move, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We went on Mad Season, more than you think you are. Yep. Exile on Mainstream, which is one of the greatest titles of all time. Uh, liked- <laughs> and then North, which yep. debuted at number one. That's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, that
1: was pretty
0: you guys have been, were nominated for our American Music Awards, Grammys, MTV Video Awards, People's Choice Awards. I mean, you guys, that's it's, it's, it's a really big
1: band. A lot of nominations.
0: Yeah, I noticed that, too. You, you noticed that? <laughs> Not yeah. a lot of acceptance speeches.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't have any of those, unfortunately. Rob does. Fucker. <laughs> well, uh, at, at- no, I, I, we, you know, we had, um, we had. Yeah, the, I remember uh, we were up against. Uh, we lost uh, the Grammy. I mean, that's kind of a the thing. There's two things with me, actually three things with me, that I'm, I'm sort of at this point that if, I won't feel complete. You know, it, you know, like you can't you can't lay me to rest.
0: Football you know, Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, right. Football Hall <laughs> of Fame, of course. Um, you can't lay me to rest until, um, you know, it's I, I've won a Grammy. I've been on SNL. And I've been on the cover of Rolling Stone. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that one hurt. The Grammy thing hurt. Yeah. And, um, you know. Was so um, for album of the yeah. year?
0: Or was it single or?
1: It was I was something like pop. It was for Unwell. It was for the song okay. Unwell, but it's for like pop duo with Vogel or, you know, it was like one of those. And yeah. I think it was the Wallflowers. And then the, I can't remember what the other category was. And that was uh, uh, No Doubt. But, um, hey, man. You know, it's, we've been recognized, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They always say, like, you know, just to be nominated is enough. It's like, yeah. eh, no, it's I not. Know. <laughs> I know, exactly,
1: whatever. <laughs> I've I've had a blessed life. It's Absolutely. Different. There's nothing to complain about.
0: So. so it was around that time that you decided you'd had enough and you left. And is that when you started Rivers and Rest?
1: oh yeah um
0: now were you i'm sorry i'm sorry were you already in nashville
1: uh, was it at the mad the mad season point or where are we jumping to more than, uh
0: like before you like when you left the band
1: right that was after north yeah yeah um yeah i was already in Nashville. okay yeah yeah i was already in nashville um
0: was there any ever any idea of maybe going new york or la yeah or was it always nashville
1: yeah it was there was yeah um I, it still kind of crosses my mind from, from yeah. time to time. Um, I feel like it'd probably be more of a Los Angeles, yeah, resident. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I could. I don't think I could deal with the with the traffic and the pace and the. Um, I'm with you. Uh, you know, and and the expense of it, and you know, I, I'm in a great position right now where I'm close. I'm, I'm pretty close to most of my family. Yeah, but far enough. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, so it was. Yeah, it was right around the time after North, and man, we were just we weren't communicating at all. Yeah, I mean, we just just weren't, you know. And emails were going unread and unresponded to, and you know, we were we we're lying stagnant, you know, and you know, and still, I mean, I feel. I'm, I'm in a much better place with the guys and with, and, 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 um, than, than I ever was before. So we've sort of worked all that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there was, it was a time when I felt like, you know, we, we, there was a hiatus was just lingering on. And I was just, uh, I was going through a lot in my personal life that mm-hmm. definitely, like, um, informed, you know, I was just an angry guy. Yeah. You know? And when I wasn't getting responses to certain things that I felt like were kind of simple questions, like, are we going to still do this? Like, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't remember how many years had gone by since, since that, but I was just like, are we even a band anymore? Like, people were just coming up to me. Um, people would say, ask me in restaurants, you know, people would ask me online. Like, it would just seemed like the assumption was we were no longer a band.
0: Yeah. What are you doing these and, days?
1: Yeah. Well. And. Yeah, I was getting kind of angry about that, yeah. you know, and, 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 uh, and it was kind of the not knowing that was really getting upsetting because I'm yeah. like, I'm kind of like, okay, do I need to take a a gig with, you know, and I, and, and I still do from time to time. I go out and play with John Waite. Yeah. Um, and he's great and that's, that's been a wonderful experience and I'm a fan of his yeah. too, so that helps. Um, but I was, I was starting to ask myself, like, should this is this where my life is now? Should I be focused on doing the sideman thing and kind of or and or um, really spending more time producing records seriously and, and trying to make a career out of that? Um, and, yeah, it was just uh, there was infighting and, and um, disagreements. And I was just, yeah, I decided that that's 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 just where it, 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 the, 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 it boiled over. Yeah, to an extent. Um, so yeah, I was around that time, and you know, to to I think to Paul's credit, I, largely, I would say that he really kind of jumped in and tried to to save that save the band, uh, which led to our last tour, Yeah. The, the last tour that we did with the Crows. Right. Um, the opportunity was kind of pitched to management, um, and I was had you know left the group and honestly i fully expected them just to kind of move on and you know and, and be matchbox 20 find a new guitar player and, yeah. and be matchbox 20 um but paul was really like you know pushing hard to 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 re-engage the conversation with, with me and didn't want to do it without me and didn't didn't like the idea of changing the lineup of the group and you know um and to rob 's credit and brian 's credit, they were really like um you know like, man, what can we do? you know um that was then this is now yeah let's not let's not piss away something, so I mean that was the general consensus yeah i mean if if I had to paraphrase the whole thing, I would just say the the general idea was, which I eventually came around to and agreed, sure and, you know you could you can probably put me in the ringo category of the uh why is everybody not, like not acknowledging me and my contributions? <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> uh, so, you know, and and that was that, man. And and we've um you know, we brooded out and Yep. And uh, I'm glad, man. I'm glad cuz it's uh you know, the, the 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 band and the music seems to mean a lot a lot of people's lives. Well, and, and we achieved something that probably none of us are going to be able to re Yeah. Um you know, recreate in our in our individual lives. Well, it's
0: also cool that that band is so big that you can go off and do your solo stuff or go produce a John Waite record. Yep. And then every three years even, go, hey, let's go out and do 40 sheds this summer. Yep. And you'll sell them out. Yep. With no new music, no new nothing. I know, you it's know, crazy, it's like, and
1: it's, it's yeah. Um, uh, so... Right. I mean, how fortunate are we? Yeah. You know, so, you know, I guess in hindsight, um, you know, there were a few legal and business things that we, you know, I don't necessarily get into specifically, but that I wanted to see resolved as well. And to everybody's credit, they were resolved. Yeah. Um, so there was, there's some emotional stuff there, but there was also some business stuff and, um, yeah i mean it's it it really is pretty you know we should continue continually remind ourselves, meaning the guys in the band that um what we are able to achieve as a brand at this point it just doesn't mm. happen very often anymore um so yeah, I think there's just a general appreciation that everybody came back around yeah. to, you know, and I know that you know it's tough Rob's been in a position where he he has um the best solo business, mm-hmm. you know, and reasoned, or, or you know, the most reason to go. Yeah, if it takes four or five years to do another record, I'm in no rush. Yeah, you know, um, and I get that, but at the same time, um, you know, being in a band is is you know four or five people getting in a room, whatever it is, yeah. and going. If we're all saying that this is this is it. Yeah. Um and it takes everybody it now takes get, this village to, to make this thing happen. Get and we're calendar. all gonna look each other in and yeah. say that, then we have to be involved we ha- we all have to kind of go okay. be involved get, in the planning of Yeah, get your
0: calendars out.
1: Right. Okay. Exactly. Two thousand
0: twenty. Yeah. Put block it off, because we 'cause we're gonna go.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So All of that was a good thing in moving that conversation forward. And then we went on to have just – everybody had a blast on the Counting Crows tour. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were – myself – I mean, everybody in the band would would, – would get up with the crows one you know one of us if not several of us each night on some song yeah and just sit in on guitar or, you know rob would get up and take a verse and adam and it was just and then vice versa mm-hmm. and yeah it That's was fine. like so it was yeah it was a good it was a good transition from a lot of negativity and kind of a pretty dark um situation to you know wow look at this look at all these people who still want to come out you know uh, and fill hey, up yeah. a shed and sing these songs that they, you know, uh, was the anthem to their absolutely man. collegiate experience or something yep. like that. And we get to be we get to be the sort of uh, the soundtrack ring of masters. their lives. Right.
2: That's right.
0: <laughs> so now, the duo Rivers and Rust. Yeah. You were also with that opening,
1: right?
2: That
0: so right. So sometimes you would play with three bands. Yeah, in a night. Yeah, it's kind of a long night, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, so, when we kind of worked things out, so so, I, so Sheila Marshall mm-hmm. is uh, was the other half. Yeah, um, and I want to say Rivers and Rust is still very much a thing. Okay, I intend to keep that going and uh, engage with a variety of other female singers. I I, I kind of want to take it in that direction where it's sort of. Uh, That'd be cool. Ever evolving, kind yeah. of yeah, like yin and yang, male female kind of um, musical project uh, yeah. that I guess is sort of based, you know, in rock, but um, but is you know, it's just kind of it, 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 you know, whoever the the collaboration is with, kind of informs to an sure. extent where it's going. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, I, I'm gonna keep. I want to keep that alive. But her and I started it. And um, I was producing it with my buddy Lincoln, Parrish. Um, and I, I sort of hatched the idea. And then I thought of her um, right away because I'd produced some things for her. Um, she's a singer-songwriter from Texas, uh, Houston. Okay. And I always loved her voice, loved the tones of like the cool, yeah. scratchy, bluesy thing. Um, I think
0: you guys sounded really good together. Thanks, man.
1: Um, but coming from the pop rock world, you know, I wanted to I wanted to make it hookier. Yeah, I guess for sure. lack of a better. I wanted to make it hookier and make it a little more interesting musically. Um, I love the blues as, as much as anybody, really. Um, I mean, I I put on Howlin' Wolf. I'd say about once a month, you know, sitting out barbecuing or something. That stuff still. Yeah, still, it still lights a fire under me. Um, but you don't
0: hear it on the radio much.
1: Yeah, and but you know my my radio wasn't just my intention. Yeah.
0: All right. So you have a new CD coming out called Wolves. That's right. That is on your own label, the Tennessee Recording Company. That you you own it with Mike Fiorentino. Cool. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, and another gentleman, Ben Shaw. Okay, who's in London? Okay. Yeah.
0: So, what do you want to say about Wolves? Have you been making it like quite a while? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's been it's been in the process for about four years. Um, Man, it's a it's it's a real cathartic record. Yeah, you know. Um, And and I've kind of been saying, I guess my line is that it's it's kind of record you you don't necessarily set out to make. It's Mm -hmm. the kind of album that you kind of have to make. Right. Um, Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and it was. yeah, I mean I, I think the easy the easiest way to, to to sort of you know uh encapsulate it is you know me sort of grappling with the end of a you know a, a seventeen year marriage, you know. Yeah. Um and that was you know, that was uh colored unfortunately by addiction. And you know, um <clears throat>
0: I think I
1: myself, you know, um, struggled through many of the years, you know, uh, you know, uh, with the band, with excess, sure, you know, and I mean, I'll be the first one to admit I was a big cokehead in the in the like late Mm. '90s, early 2000s. It was it was silly. It was just excess. (laughs) It was just silly. (laughs) It was just silly. And I think, yeah, it was it, it. it's taken, you know, um, and, and, and it was a big blow. Then, uh, when uh, you know, eventually we 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 separated, and so I realized that a lot of this this album was when I started putting songs together were songs that uh, were inspired.
0: Dude, I think songwriting from a purely emotional place like that is better than any therapy, any anything you could
1: yeah, ever get exactly
0: from somebody else.
1: And I, you know. Um, it was It was interesting because I knew that that's kind of what the record was about, right but we hadn't we hadn't really ended the relationship yet yeah. so it was uh, by the pure nature of it, kind of needed to be shelved yeah um, so to speak, or sidelined, and then when it finally boiled to a head and um, you know we separated, I, I was sitting on all this material. And, um, and you I was go, just like, well, what am I going to, you know, there seems going to be I a gonna thread just thread
0: running through this? Yeah,
1: exactly. Am I going to just, you know, um, <clears throat> am I going to just kind of bury this and then kind of move on to writing summer jams of 2019? <laughs> the, the, the song <laughs> you can't stop singing, you know? I mean, I was like, I felt like, and, and I was like, no, I like a lot of this material. Yeah. Um, Okay, the, the, some of the themes are pretty dark and uh, refer to some pretty um, gloomy areas of my life. Well, but like, it's real and it's. Um, what we were
0: saying earlier is like everybody's had a broken heart. Yeah. Everybody's gone through a bad relationship. I mean, yeah. it's not you know, it's, it's very relatable stuff.
1: I mean, well, that's with the wolves. Yeah, it was. It was I wrote the song called Wolves, yeah, I love and it's a really short little kind of acoustic, almost. A lot of people would refer to as like a ditty or something you know because it doesn't it doesn't have like uh you know it's got like four verses and and sort of a b section yeah um but I like it but but yeah but but not like these these like really sort of crafted choruses you know yeah, and I thought about throwing all that in when the thing was sort of written because it's one of those things you just write in like fifteen twenty minutes yeah. You're like, oh, that's cool. I like all the syllables of those things. Um, what what are these wolves I keep talking about? Yeah. You know, and why do why am I so um, obsessed with the, the symbolism that seems to be going on with this? So that's kind of informed uh, a whole journey of of you know throughout these other songs that were being written. That what you know what are these things? And I think they do. I think they represent the worst parts of ourselves. Yeah, you know um and for me that was you know excess and partying and 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 um generally making bad decisions and um and you get kind of cannibalized by those those bad decisions right. you know and those are kind of the wolves you know but it's but it's also metaphorical it can be you know the state of oh yeah um it, you know it, it can be a mental state it can be mental health it can be, um, you know, corruption in the government. It's a lot of things. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, and I like, I like, I like poetry for that reason. So yeah. it was something, it was something poetic that informed the whole thing. So that's kind of what the, well, the genesis wolves
0: was. are also amazingly interesting creatures when they're at arm's length. You know,
1: yeah. But those wolves will also eat they're, you they're, up. Yeah, let them. they're beautiful. Yeah, but yeah. they um. um yeah, they they have a purpose. Yeah, you know, and you can't. It's an inescapable purpose.
0: I saw the album cover and stuff, which is so cool. Were you in the room with that wolf? Yeah, doing the same picture. Yeah.
1: It was. Um, it was the photographer actually found it. Was, well, it was my idea, and and a lot of times I um, am not one that likes to be incredibly on the nose with with things, you know. So it's like, you know. If you shoot a video that you you write a song, you and I write a song called Candy Store. And it's like, right. I got a great idea. Let's do it in a candy store. Right. Huh? What do you guys think? Like I'm Are the, you know what I mean? the same
0: thing. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's
1: brilliant. Um but <laughs> so we were talking about different things and we had done like we had done some shots in like a slaughterhouse and some other things, but um, it just felt like I was like, Well, what what would it take to get a wolf? You know, fuck it. Let's just, let's just, you know, let's do it. I mean, we'll see what it looks like. Yeah. And, you know, unless it's like astronomically expensive, which it wasn't amazingly.
0: Was that um, here or in Vegas? Yeah, it was, or yeah, it, it, no, it it was here. here.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, and if it seems too on the nose and it bothers us and it's, you know, then we'll just, you know, and of course we loved a lot of the stuff that yeah. ended up being, um, so, yeah, they brought it in. The trainer came in, and um, uh, it was. I, I think it's like it has a large percentage of wolf dog. Right. Because I don't think that, I think there might be some laws against 100%. Well, what? first of all, it's very hard to, to uh, I think, to actually obtain yeah. 100% because it's, you know, it's kind of just in the wild at that point. Um, a lot of them are
0: wolf, German Shepherd mixes.
1: Is that right? Yeah. yeah. We didn't really get into all that, but yeah. I mean, honestly, visually, Oh dude. you know, that's and in, in, yeah, and in the, the and yeah. the photographer, uh, Greg Roth, who's, who's he's fantastic, um, was, uh, yeah, he found he found um, I can't remember her name right now, unfortunately, but they um, found found it on Instagram, of course, right? Found 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 it on Instagram and was like, look at this, and here's the price, and we should do this. I was like, yeah. <laughs>
0: I have so, a, had a buddy who recently passed away, but he had two wolves. And I said, "How much wolf are they?" And he said, "He thinks the male, which he called Little Man, he was about 130 pounds." Uh-huh. And he said, "He's about 90 percent." 90 percent.
1: I feel like
0: I just. I said, "Do you ever? Do you ever?" Because he also had horses. Uh-huh. I said, "Do you ever worry about your wolves like taking down one of the horses?" One of the horses. Yeah. He goes, "No, not as long as you keep them fed." <laughs> I thought.
1: That's that's right. That's true. Yeah, you definitely don't want – so <laughs> I didn't know. I do remember her asking me not to um, look the wolf in the eye.
2: Oh, because like, it's threatening?
1: Directly because they can – yeah. She yeah. said it's possible that, that he would take it as a threat. Right. Um, and
0: – Domination or leader and, of the pack. And, and
1: this was significant too. She had a um, kind of a uh, uh, a smaller lab canine uh, kind of support – canine uh, almost
0: because they're pack animals
1: they're pack animals yeah. and you know she would always sort of like the 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 lab would kind of do the rounds of the photo shoot and the set and stuff like that to kind of you know what i mean yep. and then she would bring it in so there was sort of like a sense of um that
0: familiar smells yeah and so stuff. she's
1: like basically like greet greet the lab right right um and if if uh, uh, wild or Wildling or wild, or wild I think it's what she called if he comes up to you and sniffs, and sniffs you you know just um, you know don't don't be right uh, alarmed and, and startled and you could you know and if it looks like he's interested you can kind of pet him but otherwise just sort of pay attention to the lab So that was kind of an interesting thing. yeah so she when she was set up the shot you know the. The 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 lab was always just sort of like laying on its hind legs, like just out of the shot, man. Just just kind of really chill and kind of I think keeping the yeah keeping the wolf um, calm uh, calm yeah yeah. yeah so can, it was interesting. It was can, it was quick, man. They it can was...
0: smell fear. They can also smell urine. So try not pee in your yeah. pants. Yeah, and then there were
1: a few where I was seated with it, and there were a few were standing. And she would um, she would do whatever. Um, she had to do to to get the wolf either seated or in position and hand me the um the the leash mm-hmm. um, and basically just if it was just if he takes off which he's which he never lasted more than ten twelve seconds, but that's all they needed to get you know the, and actually we got a couple really great walking shots because you know eventually he would just get distracted and be like yeah hum. so he would never we never get any shot much longer than ten seconds but um the, you know that's that was the main instruction. Don't don't tug on the leash. If he takes off, just just let him go. Let, let it out of your hand. Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking, I was thinking like, I'm gonna have nobody to blame if something. If I get if I get maimed,
0: if I lose a hand, or
1: mauled, or whatever the right word is. Um, right? Like, I'm, there's no one. You know, because it was it was
0: my idea. It was my
1: idea.
2: <laughs> <Yep>.
1: <laughs> and I remember seeing that when they when they eventually pulled. You know, when she we pulled up, and I was just like. Oh man, this is either going to the... be awesome or the worst decision I ever. Yeah. Made. So it, it turned out great, and I'm happy with the shots. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: What's your website?
1: cowcookmusic.com. Sweet. Yeah.
0: Would you mind doing my 10 questions with me? No. And this is just seriously just top ahead. Okay. And it's just it's right. quick and fun.
1: Quick and fun. Both. Oh, there's so many jokes there. Yeah. So many jokes. I'm like quick slow
0: and funny. ish. <laughs> Uh, what's your favorite book
1: my favorite book Um, I think it's I I have to say Catcher in the Rye it's a good one it just pops into my head what's your favorite food pasta like just pasta and a really good red sauce
0: I saw that pasta you made on the bus right that looked good man yeah man I'm trying that
1: I know dude (laughs) I love me some carbs (laughs) they're not loving me as I get older oh dude
0: what's your favorite quote
1: Hmm. That's, I mean, that's that's a tough one. never really thought about that. Um, we can go I, on. Um, does a lyric count? Yeah. In the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make.
0: Yep, that's a good one. Yeah. What was the first concert you saw, and how old were you?
1: First concert that I saw. I think it was. I feel like my mom would have a better verification, but I feel like it was Rod Stewart.
0: Honestly, really, I think
1: it was like Rod Stewart at like the Indianapolis State Fair or the you know, Indiana State Fair or something like that.
0: Was this Rock and Roll Days? Yeah, it would have been before the American Songbook days, um, right?
1: I was pretty. Uh, yeah, I was probably like eleven, did maybe you- or twelve. So I'm forty, almost forty three now. So.
0: You went with your mom,
1: yeah, and did, my stepfather. Did he, she? If think? She got she got he got her some Rod Stewart tickets, or just like her birthday or something like that, and then did, she, I tagged along.
0: Did you think Rod was sexy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did actually. It still haunts me. Yeah,
0: it still, still haunts
1: like, me how sexy that man.
0: Wake is. up in a fetal position, just cold actually sweats. got to
1: I, I got to meet him finally with um, um, with John Waite. We opened up. Oh, cool! Yeah, and he was he was really sweet and, and uh, very uh, complimentary of, of John too, which I know made John feel really Choo-chan. really great. He he called John one of the great English voices of of all time and everything. So I was like, yeah, and he was he was yeah, and infinitely cool.
0: Yeah, guy like that doesn't have much to prove anymore. So why be a jack-ass? no? And it was
1: it was pretty badass. I mean, yeah. like like I think before they you know before the band truly played the last note of Maggie May because he did something he walked off. He was already in a limo. Oh, yeah. Like, on his way to a nearby airport. And, you know, I think the tour manager was like, yeah, Rod will probably have a martini in his hand and be, you know, 20 minutes in the air by the time we get the damn back line broken right. down. I'm like, yeah, that's the way I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten there yet, Bart. Yeah. See, yeah.
0: well, maybe, maybe now.
1: Maybe now. Maybe it's Wolves.
0: I'm just saying you see I would rather have that than a Grammy.
1: True. This is true. I mean, yeah, I mean you know <clears throat> a, a Grammy doesn't 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 get you a, <clears throat> doesn't get you a good buzz at like 20,000 feet.
0: Doesn't get you a jet,
1: you know. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I mean it may, you know.
1: But Yeah, there's so many things. Honky Tonk
0: won a Grammy for Best Country Performance for Brooks and Dunn. And Fantastic. I was talking to, uh can't remember his name now, Doug. He was the head of Disney Publishing. He was on the, the Grammy board. Yeah. I said, I know I don't get a Grammy, but can I get a sheet of paper or an invite or something that says they want He goes, no.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. I know.
0: I go, but. I said, I know it's for their performance of this song, but they couldn't have performed it had we not written right, it. Right, I know. So I mean, right. it's kind of chicken and egg or hand in hand. See,
1: you you you, you and I share the same disease of yeah. like um, Grammy failure.
0: We're right there, man.
1: Yeah, right there. So close.
0: What's the favorite song you've ever written? Whether it was a hit or a single, or even oh, not even song. recorded, doesn't even matter. Huh.
1: The favorite game's a tough game for me, I must say. I have to, I'm I'm a man of many colors. <laughs> uh, that I've ever written. Hmm. I would probably say the closing track on this, uh, this album. Really? Comes back a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's called Lead Me Home. Okay. And it's the the closing song of a four song, like opus sequence that mm-hmm. I'd spent a lot of time on, uh, composing strings for, and then got a great arranger here in town, Jim Gray, who's fantastic, um, to really thread that through like four songs oh, and then it wow. sort of closes. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just sort of a, um, Kind of poetic way of helping, saying that you'll be there for somebody to help them home if they've uh, drank too much or done a little too much or on their last leg. Yeah.
0: That's great. What song out there do you wish you would have written? I mean, it could be Amazing Grace or Star Spangled Banner or or,
1: um, whatever. Here Comes the Sun. Really? Yeah. Who did write that? George Harris. George? Okay. Yeah. It comes to mind. A lot. Yeah. Um it was and it was also one of the things that uh mesmerized me about record making or or um kind of the magic of of uh, arrangement mm-hmm. when I was a kid and songwriting and arrangement. Um and the power of the two, yeah. I should say, when I was a kid, because I remember hearing that, you know, son, 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 here it comes. Yeah. And all these cascading, like, organ parts and stuff. I remember just being, you know, eight, nine years old, listening to it on vinyl. My stepfather had uh, a little record player in his apartment, and uh, he, he he had a pretty great vinyl collection. And just being mesmerized by it, man, and going, Just what wizards well,
0: make also, such but that
1: song audio magic was <laughs> You know? I mean seriously. Is that
2: backwards?
1: Right, yeah, but I mean it kinda was
0: But that's the kind of stuff that also you look at that song and it's not just verse chorus verse chorus. It's like there's
1: right. sections
0: that could be whole other songs that somehow he composed into one Unbelievable song. That's
1: true, and then yeah, and then like themes yeah. that kind of um, keep returning. So there's right. you know there's the verse thing, and then there's the um, it's a chorus, but it's almost like a post hook or something. Yeah, because you know? it's um, with that sort of major lift, and then the bridge is like this whole extended thing, but then there's a the guitar riff that keeps coming around. Yeah, do 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 boom boom, and that's what sort of ends the song. So yeah. it's like. It all connects back into this big composition. So I think that's gotta be definitely number one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, you've written with obviously some really big people. Who else out there would you really still like to write with?
1: Um that's a good question. I mean there's so many, right? Yeah. Um I think about that for a second. Um Brandy Carlisle oh okay it's cool um, and really love what Jason Ibul is doing mm-hmm. um, had an opportunity to see him live as well um, he lives out by me huh he lives out yeah. by me um, yeah as far as some some more modern people and then you know I mean Of course, you know there's the there's the sort of dream list of McCartney and Tom Petty and and Keith and all that. But you know,
0: so if you had to be one, like a singer, player, or a writer or a producer, like what's what's your favorite out of those?
2: Hmm.
1: I think I guess writer producer. Um, I feel like I became a performer. Don't get me wrong, I, I, I like the craft of, of performing too because I think that's a, you know, um, it's its own thing, yeah. you know. Um, and keep keeping people engaged in live performance um, it is important. And there's, it, there's a whole, you know, you could take it as cinematic, you could take it as uh, theatric as somebody like David Bowie or, you know, you can yeah. just be very genuine and just uh, focus on the musicianship like, like the Beatles did, um, with very little bells, yeah, and, whistles. Loud bells and whistles. Yeah, yeah. And, but they were so good that it didn't matter. Um, yeah, but uh, sorry, what was the question again?
0: And which one would you? What's your favorite? Album? Oh yeah,
1: but I think, but I think the performing grew out of a necessity to um, for it to want to for me to want to hear it. Yeah, the way I want to hear it. You know uh, what I mean? Right, right, yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, although I love like I love getting a group of musicians together, and I feel like I'm good in that setting, um, and I feel like I, you know, am a pretty diplomatic person, so I know how to get people on board with with um, an idea. Um, yeah, it's like I feel like that was you know if it was a chicken and egg thing, that came first. Yeah, um, and then the performance kind of was. Grew out of a necessity just to go, well, I, the only way I'm going to hear this exactly how I want to hear it is if I play this, right? Or if I sing it,
2: you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, singing became a kind of a necessity, you know, uh, as well. And I feel like it's something that I'm, I'm continually getting better with. But I feel like the writer and producer thing is just, it's just comes, you yeah. know, without a, without a thought, you know?
0: If you weren't in music, what would you be doing?
1: Recently, I would say. I mean, I think in well, in the last like decade or so, I'd say culinary arts probably. Really? Um, Yeah, I really like. uh, I I see a lot of parallels there between um, flavors and foods, and
2: I love cooking. Yeah,
1: and what you can do with that, um, you know, it's just it's almost the same thing, you know. Yeah. Um, And but before before I kind of got into the culinary side of things. I would I would have said and would put right behind that architecture cuz I love I just I adore architecture something cool about I went to college geometry for and, architecture you, des- yeah. design yeah and I also see a lot of similarities between music and architecture as well mm-hmm. um it's kind of the arrangement of space yeah you know which is kind of what rhythm and
0: absolutely um It's production.
1: A lot of music is, you know, intervals and stuff. It's just kind of the arrangement of... of Balance. Balance of the space, yeah. So what's next? Um, What is next? Well, you know, this dad thing keeps me...
0: Right, right. me
1: rocking. Uh, I got one to get out of high school, so we'll, we'll focus on that on a personal level and... Uh, I'm gonna tour a good bit at the end of this year on the Wolves record. I'm gonna tour a good bit uh, top of next year on the Wolves cool. uh, album, and beyond that, there's talk of um, there's talk of another some more you know Matchbox uh, recordings and you know, uh, and also a tour in 2020. Sweet, which would be a numeric um, missed opportunity, I think. Yep. We would all agree. Yep. And so
0: it's kind of in the name of the band,
1: yeah, right? Matchbox it's, it's 2020. It's kind of like I mean, we really should just give it up if we miss, <laughs> yeah. you know, that sort of marketing. Someone commentary.
0: would be to blame. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. So yeah, that's kind of exciting, and and um, yeah, we we've all kind of floated that out there a little bit on social media and, and other places. Uh, we don't have an exact. We don't have an exact sort of uh, structured plan yet, but but I think we know that twenty twenty is just screaming let's I think do something great
0: in 2020 matchbox 20 should do 20 shows
1: <laughs> see there's there's really no reason to to end that kaleidoscope you know no. <laughs> we'll no. all get tattoos exactly right um I
0: think, yeah
1: 20 speakers on stage i mean Ooh, I like
0: 20 guitars
1: dude we should do there should only be 20 lights
0: so right. it's going to be like twenty a, faders. So it's going to be like a club thing. <laughs> Let's saying. tell the
1: sound guy only twenty faders, bro. Uh, be well, good man, times. thanks. Thank you. It's great to see it's you. Great to see you. Um, and, uh, it's been a pleasure. This is I, this is my first podcast, so thanks for podcasting me,
0: dude. I love podcasting. I, I
1: mean, I love pods. So and
0: I love casting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> love you, man.
0: Love you too, buddy. Thanks.
1: Yeah.